1: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle podcast on a Tuesday, getting ready to talk some USC football. Of course, the Trojans beat Colorado 21-17. We're bringing in Dan Weber, uscfootball.com, beat writer and columnist talking about the game, answering all your questions. You can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Uh, call us at 641-715-3900, extension 816 or go to our website, ParastylePodcast.com. All the information is there. You can also leave a voicemail right from that page. If you would like to subscribe on iTunes, that's a great way to consume the show. You can leave us positive feedback. That always helps. Uh, iTunes.com slash podcast. We're also on the Google Play, on Audio Boom, on Stitcher Radio, on TuneIn. So different apps for podcasts. You can check out the Parastyle Podcast and tell your friends if you have a USC Trojan fan. That's a friend of yours. Let them know about the Parastyle podcast. Hopefully, they like it as much as hopefully you do. Uh, well, let's bring in Dan Weber to talk about USC and Colorado. Hey, Dan, what's going on? Oh, well,
2: we're, we're moving in the right direction, I guess. Uh, you know, one of those. Uh, it'll take every little week as it as it happens, and uh, every time you uh, you survive and, and advance, and they're in that, in that kind of a mode. You know, where uh, it's kind of sudden death, a little bit like last year. Uh, you just hope you uh, you know you get better enough, and you don't turn the ball over so much that your improvement gets uh, you know gets washed away. But uh, uh, again, moving in the right direction with a chance to get a little momentum going after you know having a season start that gave you no chance probably to put any momentum uh, into the into the year, and uh, you got to kind of make it yourself now.
1: Yeah, USC doing their best to try to, to right the ship. Obviously it was a tough, tough go through the, the first uh, few weeks of the season, but you know, the record is even at three and three now and something you didn't think, Dan, starting off, you know, 0 and two in the conference that USC be right in the mix as far as the Pac 12 South goes again. And I know a lot of USC fans wouldn't be happy kind of backing into the Pac 12 South title again, but of course you'd have to go on some kind of great run at the end. But with everything that's happening in the Pac-12, there's Washington and kind of like everybody else, it's all wide open now in the Pac-12 South.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what I think some of us saw. I mean, certainly I did. I I was extremely unimpressed with with Stanford. Unfortunately, USC played like they thought Stanford was still Stanford and it blew that, you know, just not even, uh, no kind of an effort that, you know, wins that game. You'd love to have a chance to play it again. Obviously Stanford's two uh, starting cornerbacks are gone and they got nothing behind them and everybody's just throwing the ball and killing them. Uh, but, uh, you know, you do look back and say, geez, what if Sam would have been starting all year? Wouldn't have probably helped them all that much against Alabama, but you know, it might've been the difference. And, 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 uh, you know, in the Stanford game, I, I think without a doubt, uh, you win that game if, if Sam is playing the way he's playing now, which gives him then a game head start to go into Utah and and probably change. I mean, you know, when you lose with seven, sixteen seconds to go, you could always look back and say, gee, many you know, one play. Uh so, you know, what would have been the difference? Well they'd have been five and one and I don't know, would they be ranked what, number of like seven, eight, eight, nine in the country, something like that, probably. Uh and it is the same team. You know, they make a lot of mistakes. Uh, uh, you know, they've got some young people, at, you know, at, at places. But, uh, uh, you know, this isn't a team that can't go in there and say, hey, they ought to win this game or they ought to win this game. And when you look at what's happened around, the, you know, the rest of the world with, uh, you know, everybody thought the finish, the final three games, were going to be just beyond belief. And now you look at where Oregon and uh, UCLA and Notre Dame are. You think, hmm, that changes uh, things. So now USC just has to do their part and just keep getting better and playing with more confidence. And the coaching staff has to, you know, play it the way they, you know, especially I think the the way the offense is kind of you know rounded out into, I mean, three tight end passes for touchdowns. Wow, who? Who would have seen that coming except unless you would have said, well, what they did in the spring, maybe they ought to, you know, continue on into the season. And then uh, the defense playing more guys and not getting worn out at the very end. And, and the other thing, like against Colorado, USC has 80 plays. That's a big difference from say the 59 they had at Utah. You know, you, you you're on the field for 80 plays. Your defense doesn't have to be on there, you know, as much. And so, uh, so it's moving in the right direction. I don't think there's any question about it. They just got to make it happen week after week after week.
1: Hey, Dan, before we jump into some of these questions, I just wanted to thank our sponsor for the Peristyle podcast. They've been great to us over the past month or so, Dollar Shave Club. Uh, it's awesome. So I, I got my shipment about, I think it was about a month ago, still going through my razors and the, uh, the different, uh, bath products that they put in there, which is cool stuff. Check it out. So if you, you don't have to choose, choose between price, and quality—if you want to get a great shave—so DollarShaveClub.com is the answer. Proves you how amazing the shave really is. They are giving you one month free, so it's a really cool offer. If you join the club, you'll get your first month free, so free shaving for a month. Um, they offer amazing razors, and they bring it right to your door, which is awesome. I got, like I said, I got my first shipment. It's about a third of the price of what you would do if you bought them in the in the store. Uh, but I've loved using the product so far, and I keep using them. Uh, it's great stuff. So you don't want to hassle with drugstore razors that are locked behind those bulletproof glass and all that crap. Yeah. Join the club, and you'll never have to deal with that again. I love my shave, uh, the Executive Blade with Dr. Carver's Shave Butter. So that's what I'm using to shave now, and it's awesome. Like I said before, I'm shaving a lot more than I normally do because I usually don't shave that much since I don't have a, a quote-unquote regular job anymore. Uh, but the blade just glides. It's great. So what you can do is if you go to dollarshaveclub.com, Slash USC. You'll get the deal. You'll get the first month, first month for free. So it's cool stuff. Uh, you can return it if you don't like it. Um, so you get your first month free, dollarshaveclub.com slash USC. Then email me podcast at USC Let me know when you join the club. Um, how you like it. And if you're for the guys, it's cool for you, for the ladies. If you want to get a gift for your, the man in your life, uh, or any, anyone to get, wants a gift for the man in your life, uh, dollarshave.club. $ShaveClub.com slash USC is the one. Dan, maybe I'll get you one of these, too. Sounds good. <laughs> I'll try it. I got, I got to do it. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. I've liked it. Um, okay, so the points you were bringing up, Dan, uh, one of the things that is a big debate about should if Sam Darnold was the starter from the very beginning of the season, um, the way the team overall is playing right now, I think if they played Stanford tomorrow – you know, with Sam Darnold, with the more aggressive defense, I, you know, I think they'd be favored. They would beat Stanford even with, you know, forget that they had the injuries and stuff. But I think, right. I think it's not just the fact that it took them a few games to put Darnold in there, but also it's just, it, it's taken the guy. I mean, the, the offense has developed more. They're doing a lot more run pass options. And, you know, maybe that's only because Darnold's in there, but I think the defense has been more aggressive. They're starting to use more players. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's just the Sam Darnold thing. I think they're just. USC seems to be playing better week six than they were week two and three.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a big difference. If you throw in the explosive plays that seem to have gone away, they, they didn't have any of those. Uh, and Sam is a threat. He puts, uh, you know, defenses in positions they don't want to be in and it gives you that potential for, you know, uh, explosive plays. They have to play the run game differently. Uh, they really don't know, you know, what he's going to do, uh, as much. And, you know, USC is a lot less predictable and a lot less, uh, you know, gives the defense a lot less ability to just come and, and shut you down. Uh, and, and, and that's a really good thing. I mean, he, he's got, you know, quick hands, quick feet, but his quick decision making, I think, is the thing that, you know, you had to see him out there. You had to see him, uh, you know, have the benefit of uh, the majority of practice snaps that week. You, you know, he says, for example, uh, it's not that different in terms of the film work and preparation, except for the fact that you know each week you're the guy. And and, 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 and that has to be a different, uh, you know, mental preparation, film preparation in the quarterback room. So you put all those things together, and there is a more of an upbeat attitude the guys do think, you know, if I keep running the pattern, he'll get me the ball, which obviously is the case with the tight end. Uh, you know, they they have a whole different mindset now, uh, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, where this offense is going. It'd be interesting to see, you know, without Justin Davis, it'd be interesting to see what this does for, you know, Ronald Jones this week in terms of, you know, really getting to play with, uh, with Sam. And, and, you know, this may be, you know, the time that, that Ronald gets a chance to, you know, say, okay, I'm the, I'm the guy, or at least uh, Aka Cedric Ware and, and, and I, the two of us together, and uh, see how they, you know, they run the ball against the team they, they ought to be able to run the ball against. And, uh, you know, you just want them to, to bring all the parts together. And, and, and a big part of that is the uh, uh, comfort level of the uh Uh, coordinators uh, and you know with T Martin and and then Tyson with him uh having a real sense of of a feel for how this team you know gets the job done and not obvious and and maybe that's the case if you're going to play Alabama in your opener you're not going to have much of a feel uh you know for what your offense can do but um you know I think we're seeing more of a sense that the coaches have a feel for what the players can do, and, and that's got to be a good thing.
1: Um, let's jump into the questions, Dan. Mike wrote in. He says, wow, is all you can say about Sam Darnold. Wow. He fumbles a snap and makes a big play every game. He is exciting to watch. A good quarterback can make any coach look good. Hopefully, if we stick with Helton, he will have learned enough by the time Sam is a junior. That's from Mike. <laughs> Well,
2: you know, somebody's learned something. Sam is now you know, the top ranked quarterback in the Pac 12 in passing efficiency, and he's the number eight quarterback in the nation in passing efficiency. That's almost unheard of for a redshirt freshman, uh, who will be making his, what, fourth start, uh, this week. I mean, that's just, that's amazing. And especially when you're talking about, you know, Sort of a gunslinger type, you know, guy—a kind of a Brett Farvish, uh, you know, character who you don't associate those kinds of passing efficiency numbers with. Uh, so, pretty m- remarkable what we're seeing, uh, you know, with Sam Darnold uh, out there. And he he made, I guess, the eight great eight quarterback list, uh, the Davey O'Brien Award uh, uh, quarterbacks uh, this week. Uh, so, pretty amazing. <laughs> another way to describe it.
1: Uh, another Mike, he's uh, from Lantana, Texas, wrote in. says, hey, guys, great job. Thanks, Mike. Uh, I watched Sam, and something about his throwing motion. His arm action looks like he brings the ball down too low, and he's usually flat-footed when he throws. He still has a cannon, though. Do you think those different actions will hurt him down the road, i.e. Tim Tebow, uh, Sam throws better already, uh, and it was a shame—a shame to see him never correct his motion while in college.
2: Huh? I would say Sam throws left-handed better than Tim Tebow <laughs> if he were out there. To be honest with you, yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I, I think he's got that quick release. Uh, he's got that, that ball gets from here to there when he cocks it. Uh, it goes. I don't think he. I don't think he drops it too. Though I think it it gets to his ear and 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 goes from there. You know, really quickly. Uh, you don't see it get get batted down much. I mean, his quick feet obviously help him. You know, to find the the throwing lanes. But uh, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I, you know, was a, a baseball coach and and a, and a catcher and all that, I, he looks like he's got that kind of a catcher. Catch and throw release, uh, where you just catch it and, 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 the ball has to be coming out immediately, kind of from your, your, you know, your ear. And, uh, I, I'm okay with it. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think you change quarterback's throwing motion at this point in time. Uh, it just has to be good enough. And, and, and I probably don't see, you know, what you're saying, I, I just uh, I just don't think I do. Uh, it it'll be interesting. I mean, I I I'd say the one thing that can be kind of an, a little bit of a negative on that on that throwing motion, uh, which is positive in almost every other way, as far as I'm concerned, is you may not always put quite enough air under the ball on a really on the really deep balls because you you know you're basically you know, it's the difference between making the throw from center field to the plate and making the throw, you know, from catcher to second base. It's kind of two different throws, and he's so good on, on that, you know, direct, uh, immediate throw. I mean, it's why, uh, you know, he's able to throw the ball over the middle. It's why he's able to hit the slants, the quick stuff. Uh, and does he have to adjust maybe a little bit to put a little more air under the ball? Uh you know, to me, that would be a fine tuning rather than a a changing of his motion. But uh, no, I, I'm I'm really good with his motion. Uh, you know, and you look at his passing efficiency stats; it, it's pretty darn good.
1: All right, let's uh, let's play a voicemail question for you. Here we go.
0: JD from DC. Uh, this week's question for Dan: Dan, uh, you've appropriately emphasized the many challenges of USC's very difficult opening five, six games, but I think one of the things we may have all overlooked is in particular the challenge of the first two games presented for player assessment. Uh, those games are such aberrations uh, that they made everybody look bad on the squad. Uh, but if you if you really look at performances the last couple of games, it's pretty obvious. Everybody knows Darnold should have been starting. Davis should be getting more snaps. But uh, guys like Fatou Lockett, Petit, uh, Deontay Burnett, uh and Chris Hawkins, I think you're going to see them get many, many more snaps this weekend than they did, say, versus Alabama or Stanford. And as a consequence, you're going to see a very different and a much more uh, uh, successful squad on the field uh, this weekend. It's, it's only now that it's becoming obvious who should be playing for USC.
2: Yeah, J.D., I think the, the uh, Alabama game, for sure, Skewed everything, and then their approach to the Stanford game, thinking Stanford was like mini Alabama or uh, Stanford of past years or whatever, I think really threw off the approach. So I think in both of those, uh, I do think they looked much better. To be honest, they looked better in the summer uh, with the player run practices. They looked much better in the first couple of weeks of fall camp when they were competing before they had a depth chart, uh, and I think once they developed the depth chart and the practices became more kind of, and I, you know, call them NFL-like practices where they were spending time, you know, not competing so much, but getting ready for the Alabama game, or then, you know, after Utah State, getting ready for Stanford, uh, they weren't in situations where they were competing, Uh, And therefore, the depth chart kind of got solidified. You know, once it was it, this was it. And uh, they, uh, the smartest thing they did was that they uh, put up, they figured out how to get Sam Darnold into the mix with the short yardage and the red zone packages for him. So that got him in the game, on the field, in practice every week. But I think for a lot of those positions, it wasn't very easy. Uh, with what they were doing in practice to beat the guy out ahead of you or to compete for that spot. And they needed some games and some setbacks and some, okay, if this guy, you know, can't do it, what about this guy? So uh, it might be saying some things about how you get ready for games and and when you the focus is so much on the front-loaded schedule. Now, if you only knew that, you know, Utah was probably a way more important game than Stanford, and at Stanford, you just, you know, they were just another game and should have been taken as such. And obviously if you had Sam and he plays the Stanford game, they'd probably win that game. And uh, if, uh, if Sam has a game under his belt, they'd probably win the Utah game. And so, uh, yeah, I think uh, some of the assessments uh, were difficult to make once they got into the season uh, once you had to go against Alabama to start and, you know, you thought, okay, Stanford's the best other team in the Pac-12, oh, we got to, you know, really you know, over-prepare and they were under, actually under-prepared, uh, you know, for that game. They've gradually, you know, worked in more people, done more assessments. I mean, I've always thought, for example uh, Deontay Burnett has to be in the mix with the top tier of USC receivers that, you know, if you had a, you know, the three man group and then Deontay, that just didn't make sense. He had to be in that mix. Uh, and they needed to figure out a way to get more plays. I mean, you can't have enough plays for your running backs. If you've got three of them, if you're only getting 59 offensive plays, that just, that doesn't leave enough. Uh, So there were some rough edges they really needed to work out in terms of who should be on the field, when, and and, and where. And they're getting more to that, you know, that situation now where I think they kind of have a a good feel for personnel, and the personnel have a good feel for for where they, you know, fit with this team. So, uh, you know, it was was an issue. No question about it, J.D.
1: All right. Thanks for that one, J.D. Uh, We have a question from Tarek. He says, should USC be a pass-first team if Davis is not healthy? Seems like he is the only running back who can consistently find holes.
2: No, I think, uh, you know, I guess Arizona, I, I'd like to see them be a, a Ronald Jones, uh, a wear Cedric Ware run, first-run team if they could. Then, then the passing game will really set up well. So I, I don't think you go into these games and say, for example, if you can't run the ball in the next three games in the Pac-12, you can't run the ball, you know? I mean, you know, we're not playing, you're not playing Alabama. Uh, you know, you're playing Arizona and Cal and Oregon. And as somebody said, I think they're they're number 115 and 125 and 128 in defense. And this week's NCAA stats. So, and I, I may be rushing too, but I haven't – check all of those numbers for those teams. But, uh, uh, no, I'd like to see them really emphasize running the football. The passing game will take care of itself. If you put them back on their heels, defending the run, uh, they're going to be able to throw the ball. That'd be the classic way USC really wants to attack you. So, so I, I, think there might be times when you pass first to set up the run. I mean, we'll see about the whole, you know, the Washington game when that gets here. Uh, but uh, but I'd like to see him run the ball big time the next three weeks.
1: Uh, DH had a question, Dan. He said, Coach Helton's passing remark in in the postgame presser got me pondering. How much credit? Ooh. I'm sorry?
2: I said, ooh, dancing yeah. and pondering in postgame. I'm thinking, <laughs> wow, we got a guy from the P for sure.
1: He's uh, pondering. Yeah. With that question, huh? <laughs> well, he says, how much credit? For the Trojans' evolving offense, do you think should be attributed to Tyson Helton and Neil Calloway? With each win, is the Western Kentucky brain trust gaining more influence with Coach Helton? Is the relative, relatively inexperienced T. Martin being undermined from D.H.?
2: See, I think that's the kind of you know conspiracy theory uh, where we personalize everything and all that. I mean, I think it would—it's only natural. In the early going, uh, T would probably go to what he really felt the most comfortable with, which is what USC had been doing, uh, you know, the last five or so years. Uh, and I think there was, there's a comfort level that comes with understanding, uh, I mean, they talked about, for example, the, T was the one that talked about the gumbo, uh, the mix of, uh, you know, various ingredients that would go into the USC offense. And a big part of that would be the Western Kentucky stuff that is really, you know, they do a great job. Uh, Their head coach, Jeff Brom, is one of the absolute smartest, uh, you know, young head coaches in America. And, you know, what they've done with that offense has been great. And the way they use the tight end, you know, just, you know, terrific. And uh, I think it's just a natural evolution. See, I wouldn't, look at that as undermining, I would look at that as enhancing and improving and and, and the ability of everybody to uh contribute uh you know to the offense. And I think that's a great thing. Uh you know, I wouldn't look at it like, oh, they're going this way, so he's, you know, down being downgraded or whatever. No, he's the offensive coordinator and his ability to take advantage of uh what Tyson and, and Neil Calloway and and what they bring, uh, I think is a, is a real plus for T and I think T, you know, should be credited for that. You know, you can say, well, it took three games or whatever. Well, you know, it's moving in the right direction and, uh, you might have some excuse in the Alabama game for sure. If you feel like, okay, we didn't get the offense that we wanted, but, uh, as long as you're moving in the direction of, of where you think you ought to be going and if teams for example and and you can't force it. But if teams are gonna play USC the way Colorado did, the tight end is gonna get the ball. And now, you know, if you're Arizona and you look at that, you know, film, you say, Okay, we can't do that. They're gonna kill us with the tight end. You may have to go a different direction. Uh but uh, I just, you know, think that there there's a sense of This is who we are. This is what we've got. This is what we can do with this offense. And, uh, and then you have to have the off, obviously with coach Callaway, you got to have the offensive line that gets it done. I thought the fact that, uh, there were no offensive penalties in this game. Zero. That's amazing. No false starts, no offsides, none of that. Uh, they had two penalties overall, one on a punt, one on a, uh, uh, pass interference, I guess, or, or the face mask. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, uh, you know, the offense played flawlessly. That's a big, big step in the right direction, I think, uh, when you got the offense not stopping itself other than the turnovers. Uh, that, that's a, that's a credit, again, I think, to the, you know, the coordinator and, and all the other guys that are, you know, working with that offense.
1: We had a question from Harry, Dan. Uh, Harry's a buddy of mine, actually. We used to work together. Back in the day when I was an engineer, but uh, he's a podcaster too. So thanks for writing in, Harry. He said, uh, I saw a video of Kyle Whittingham complaining after the game versus Arizona last week about the Wildcats yelling uh, go to disrupt the Utes uh, snap count and causing a bunch of false starts. Kind of ironic since I seem to recall Utah doing that to USC a few years ago. Actually, a couple weeks ago, um, if I'm not mistaken. I understand Arizona has been doing this all year and the Pac-12 reps don't catch it. So what can USC do to avoid the kind of issues that occurred at Stanford earlier this year? Also, is this a new trend in the last few years or has it been around and just nobody talked about it? Fight on from Harry.
2: Yeah, Harry, I do think, I think the, the irony with Winningham is he probably came up with it or his guys, uh they would get to jump on you. They they put so much emphasis on the defensive front and uh and, and beating you and they were doing all kinds of uh shifting and and uh signaling and whatever and oh if it just happened to resemble what the quarterback was saying, well and they took advantage of the Pac twelve officials, which you can do. I think one of the problems this year is it's clearly a mandate to the Pac twelve officials, do not be flag happy okay we've had enough of that don't throw flags for no reason, and we can see that's not happening they're not you know leading the world in, in penalties anymore and and you know stuff that people say what you know is the glasses ref back uh, so the problem is I think they've tended to not jump in on this people. Using, uh, you know, making defensive calls that kind of mimic the, uh, quarterback signals. Uh, and they've let it go a little bit. And if one team says, well, hell, we can do it, then, then, you know, the the next team says, well, we're going to do it too. And then now you end up with the Pac 12 having to say, well, now what do we do? You know, we kind of let this go. Uh, we kind of look the other way. I mean, for example, in, in the USC, uh, 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 let's see, the Utah game, I guess, was the first time when they had all those false starts. Yeah. And they should have immediately, if you're the referee, you say, well, wait a minute. Is it, should be expected that a team's going to have five false starts in one half? No, of course not. That's it. Nobody's that badly coached. Something's going on here. And, you know, especially if Clay makes it clear enough now did he make it clear enough did he you know counsel them threaten them you know give them the you know the kind of talk that urban meyer you know jim harbaugh or nick saban would have given them maybe not uh i think that has to happen you you have to know if you're a pac 12 official there will be consequences if you allow defense to draw the offense off with uh you know, deceptive signal calling uh, that mimics the quarterback. So USC has to make a stand on that, and and you hope in the back and forth uh, with the uh, you know Pac-12 on on Sunday and Monday every week that they make that clear that we're not going to stand for this. And uh, you know, if you get one of them, you just raise hell and say, look, there will not be a second one of these if we get false started because they're yelling there will be consequences uh to you and your crew and uh and we're not gonna you know we're not gonna be quiet about it. We're we're not gonna let you get away with it. I mean David Shaw doesn't let the uh Pac twelve officials get away with anything he criticized them on national television a couple of weeks ago at halftime when he's going off the field uh at the UCLA game. Um you know, obviously Whittingham doesn't let anybody I mean he's gone nuts a couple of times this year. So uh I think USC just has to be as forceful as possible. And they also have to just be aware of teams are going to try to do this and take advantage of, of Pac-12 officials may not be throwing the flag as much, but that doesn't mean they're any better, uh, you know, than they've been, uh, in terms of their judgment. But, uh, you know, and the problem is you can not throw the flag on the defensive, uh, you know, signal calling, but you have to throw it on a false start. You have no choice everybody in the stadium sees the false start. Yeah. So, you know, that's a big advantage to the defense doing that because there's almost no penalty for them. uh, And if they, if they get lucky, the offense is going to get penalized. And uh, the, the biggest difference USC has right now is with Sam Darnold in, they have the ability to overcome first and 15 or second and 10, which they didn't have, uh, you know, the first couple of games. They just, They just didn't have the explosiveness that they've got now. And, uh, so that evens it up a little bit. But again, you just can't let that happen. And you got to make the, you know, the uh, officials, we are well aware that that we know if they're doing it, if the team has the ability to do it, you have to, you know, just immediately say, you can't let this happen. You know, maybe we'll take one five yard false start, but we're not going to take any more.
1: Well, it's going to play I mean it's a good question from Harry because because it's happened to USC already and you saw the five um false starts in the one half and then they made an adjustment and that was on the road uh at Utah and um I mean you're talking about making some kind of adjustment with silent counts and things like that and USC had to do that they did it in the second half and it worked pretty well. Um they're going to be on the road at Arizona and Arizona was just accused of this last week so you would assume Someone's done it to USC already, you know, allegedly. And then, you know, allegedly the team that USC is playing this weekend on the road, they they did it last week. So certainly this is something that, you know, if you're Clay Helton, you have to bring up to the officials to start. Hey, you guys have to listen for this to happen because, um, you know, there's a lot of potential for this to, you know, to, to be going on. So if the, it does happen, you have to flag it right away. So it, they stop doing it.
2: Yeah, I think you got to point out to them, look, it's cost us one game already. We probably didn't raise enough hell. We're not going to take it anymore, to be honest. You have to call it. You have to stop it. We're not going to put up with it. Believe us. This is not, you know, happening. And, you know, all you, you don't even have to call them. Uh, you, you could call them once. Just warn them. Say, look, if you do this, we're going to flag you. And, and make it clear, you know, before the game, you're not getting away with this. You know, Arizona is desperate right now. You know, I'd do it, too. I mean, what else? They got nothing to lose. Uh, but, uh, and again, USC now they've seen it. They know it. They understand it. They're not quite as, you know, the offensive line just looks like they have settled in a little bit better right now. Uh, and, and they're not quite so jumpy. And I know people will, uh, attribute that to, uh, a personnel, uh, change the last couple of weeks. Uh, but, uh, uh, they do look a little more comfortable that that are not quite so easily, uh, you know, uh, jump, you know, pulled off sides. So that could help too.
1: We got one last one for you, Earl in West LA. He said the last two weeks have turned the Pac-12 South landscape upside down. Colorado, Utah, and ASU are hanging on to precarious leads. How does the outlook for USC? look for you now, Earl in West L.A., and he said, P.S. Ryan, I hope you're picking USC to win this week for a change. Earl, I did. I, well, I haven't done my picks on the Pac-12 podcast yet against the spread, but I picked USC to cover the spread uh, against uh, Colorado, and then Juju Smith kind of ruined that for me, but um, we'll see. It's seven and a half point game this weekend. I'll probably still take USC and lay the points on this week.
2: Yeah, I I mean, how crazy is the Pac-12 South? They're, if you look at the standings, you have Arizona State, two and one. Colorado, two and one. As the first two, because they go alphabetically, and you think, wait a minute, those are the two teams USC just beat, <laughs> and they're tied for first. I mean, is there another league in the country where you have the two teams that are you know tied for first, uh, along with Utah, uh, at two and one, have just been beaten by the team that's fourth? And you just think of. Again, you you know, you you can't go back and can't go back, but you have. How do you, you know, you think? Gosh, if the Utah game would have been seventeen seconds shorter, USC would have beaten all three of the teams tied for first. They wouldn't be all tied at at that point, but the, the three teams tied for first, USC could have beaten them the last three weeks. So, yeah, there's USC sitting there at two and two, and clearly, I don't think there's anybody who wouldn't say. If USC played all three of those teams again at a neutral site, they beat all of them. I mean, there's nobody that would say, "Oh, Utah's better." No, they're not better than USC. You know, and you know Arizona State and uh, and I mean, the amazing thing is, Utah or uh, USC against Arizona State's good starting quarterback could have named the score on Utah or on Arizona State, and they're still ranked. I mean, they're five and one. And flying high. I don't know if they've got any quarterbacks back left. I don't know what they've got. But here they are, you know, hobbling along, uh, a ranked team. I mean, I looked at the ESPN this week, and and they do their power rankings every week. And it's, you know, just who's the good team and who's better than who. And the guy doing the power rankings in the Pac-12 still has Colorado and Arizona State ahead of USC. And you think, why do they even play the games? I mean, anybody watching those two games, you know how much better USC, you know, the score might not have shown it, but USC is probably three touchdowns minimum better than uh, Colorado. And I don't even know what the number is with, with Arizona State. And yet the guy who specializes in the Pac-12 has those two ranked above USC in the power rankings. That's crazy. I mean, the power rankings are supposed to be right this week. Who's better than who? I mean, come on. It's just, it's amazing. It's like, you why play the game? You pay attention to the game. You know, like, and I think the one comment was, but I'm kind of impressed with USC defense against Colorado. And you think, Oh, the 539 yards on offense wasn't okay for <laughs> USC. against Colorado. I mean, so all you gotta do you just gotta beat people and win games and, and rack up the Ws. You gotta just keep winning. And and that changes things. But uh you know, in terms of people look at that Colorado game and they say, Wow, that was a really close game. Well not exactly but again, like the Utah game, if you turn the ball over that many times, uh you can make it a lot closer than it really was.
1: Yeah, we do our uh, Pac-12 power rankings for our podcast of champions, and uh I haven't talked with David Woods, who I co—you co-ho- know—he co-hosts with me. Try to come up with rankings right now is like ridiculous because there's Washington, and there's like everybody else tied for twelve. <laughs> it's like it's, right? It's right, hard. And you
2: could say, well, Utah is winning, and then you say, but if you looked at the Utah USC game, if they play that same game nine more, you know, nine more times, USC might win all nine. Uh you know, they don't play him in the blackout on Darnold first night and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you don't get, you know, screwed by the PAC 12 officials, but uh who else do you pick? Uh I mean, you, uh, you say, well, what about Washington state? Oh, Washington state that opened the season losing to Eastern Washington and yeah. Boise. Uh It's like, okay, I don't, where do I go here? Uh hmm, hmm, You don't know. I mean, how, you go on a, on a UCLA board; they're predicting three and nine. You know, you should read what their fans are saying. I mean, oh my, they don't. They a lot of them don't think they're going to win another game. I mean, that kind of changes where things are, and you know, in the Pac-12 South. To, to be honest, uh, I mean, who, who? I mean, even the people here who don't much care for UCLA would never have even begun to think those thoughts or that UCLA would go into a game like they did at Arizona state and get minus one yard rushing. Are you kidding me? I mean, yikes. It's just, it's as crazy as, is anything we'll ever see. So trying to predict where this is going to end up is like, are you, there's no way who has any idea where this is all going. Yeah.
1: Who would have thought yeah. Eastern Washington has more Pac-12 wins than Arizona? But that's the case. And Boise State has two Pac-12 wins, that's more than a bunch of teams too. So um yeah, it's, it's it's a mess right now. And you know, and, and USC season started off as a mess, but because everything else around them is a mess, it gives them an opportunity to to win the South like we talked about at the beginning of the show. Um so they're they're right back in it, which is crazy considering you start off 0 and 2. And, uh, and losing like you did. Um, you know, it's a, it's a different conference now. We'll, we'll see. I gotta. And, and to be honest,
2: USC actually has a chance to go to the Rose Bowl. Think about that. I mean, they do. I mean, if Washington right now looks like they got a shot at the, you know, the final four, uh, what the heck? You just never know.
1: It's almost like Dan, so for that to happen, I kind of get the feeling. USC would probably have to lose in Seattle because beating them twice would be difficult. But if you lose to them in Seattle and they're able to still make the championship game, maybe you can beat them on the neutral field. I don't know. And, and go to the Rose bowl, but um, who knows? We'll right. see. I mean, but it's still on the table, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely, it's not impossible. And you would have, you know when they're one and three uh most everything seemed impossible and, and and that isn't the case yeah and and who knows how these other bowl games you know play out and uh you know where where Washington yeah i mean it, it might make a difference if you beat Washington the first time and lose to them the second time or beat them the second time but lose you know whatever who you just can't even be, begin to predict where this is going to go. And, and I think the Apple Cup, uh, Washington state hosts Washington. And, and by the time that game's played, that, you know, there can be snow and ice in Pullman. And again, you just never know. I mean, I wouldn't, wouldn't even want to begin to predict where the heck this is, this is going to go. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, great stuff, Dan. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and everyone. Thanks for tuning in, but, uh, we'll see you out there at practice a little later on today, Dan.
2: Yes, we will. It's uh, a little more fun at practice these, uh, these, <laughs> these last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> a, right. little more, a little more enjoyable and a little more engaging. It'll be interesting to see, I guess, really uh, what we're going to see with uh, Rojo and Sed and, and, and uh, without Justin and the whole story about, you know, what about Zack Banner and his ankle and, and what does that do? you know, in terms of the offensive line going forward. And uh, we'll just we'll see how that plays out.
1: We certainly will. All right, that's Dan Weber, uscfootball.com beat writer and columnist. I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Thank you so much for tuning into the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.